0: Welcome to the Convergence Church Podcast. Our vision at Convergence is to encounter Jesus and transform cities with his power and his love. If you'd like more information about Convergence and how to plug in, you can visit convergencechurch.com. Thanks so much for tuning in and enjoy this message. Uh, Let's just continue in prayer. Lord, we recognize this morning that you're with us. Lord, right now I ask that all over this room, you would just increase our awareness of your presence. Lord, would you come breathe on us? Show us what you look like. Show us what you sound like. (laughs) Lord, we want to know you today. We're not here to go through the motions. Lord, we're not here to play church. (sighs) Lord, we want to know you. We want to see you. We want to hear you, Lord. We want to experience you. In Jesus, we know that you want to more than we do. So, Lord, we connect in this morning with your desire to meet with us. And we say, come and have your way. Come and have your way, Lord. Do what only you can do today. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Wow. I'm... Just undone from this morning. The Lord's just done so much and I just feel I just feel so strongly his presence with us. <laughs> I don't know how this is gonna go. <laughs> oh man. Um I have really enjoyed being in Acts because it builds faith. Have any of y'all felt your faith built through even just being in the first four chapters like there's something about reading what what the apostles did and what it looked like for them to live out the kingdom of god that builds my faith for what's possible yes. and as i'm i'm kind of going to be introing acts today and kind of doing big picture i've i was sitting here reading and i'm like what happened to these guys like these were the same guys that were fishing, and Jesus said, follow me, right? Like, the, the apostles did not start out as apostles. We know this, right? Yeah. And I'm thinking about my life, and I want you to think about your life. Maybe you're, a, maybe you're an accountant. That's not necessarily synonymous with tax collector, right? It's a little different. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> But maybe you're an accountant, maybe you're a teacher. Maybe you're a mom or a, like That's who the disciples were. They were just ordinary people. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to connect us in with what happened to them to turn them from fishermen and people who fled when they were like confronted to people who boldly were proclaiming the word of God. And and I want to I want to give us like a a big picture view of what the book of Acts shows us. So, like, these guys, again, they would have grown up, yes, with some like religious background, but they were not scholars, they were not theologians, they're not like the top of their society. They're pretty much the bottom of their society. And some of you in here today, you may also feel like you're kind of the bottom of society. But Jesus called them. And he asked them to follow him, and they did. So for three years, they're seeing this man, Jesus, and they're seeing him do signs and wonders and miracles. Right, kids? We just talked about what Jesus did, all the crazy things. Kids, can you imagine if you, if you were with Jesus and watched him do those things? How would that make you feel? Someone shout it out. You'd be so happy, right? You'd be like, I can't believe I get to be here right now, right? That'd be pretty cool. I mean, we'd feel the same way as adults. Everyone should feel that. So these disciples start following Jesus. And over a period of three years, something starts to dawn on them that they say, I, this guy might be the Messiah. And the Messiah to them meant their Savior. They're like, but they weren't thinking Savior like die on the cross, save us from sins. They're thinking someone who's going to overthrow Rome and restore the kingdom of Israel and like put us back on top. That's a Messiah. So they're like, I think, like, this guy's doing miracles. He's doing crazy stuff. I think he might be the Messiah. So their faith starts getting built. This whole exchange happens in Matthew 16, which Andrew mentioned earlier, where Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And so these guys are like, towards the end of the Gospels, they're pretty confident. They're like, okay, this guy's the Messiah. We're his crew. Like, let's go. Game on. At the Passover dinner, they tell Jesus, Jesus, we'll stick with you no matter what happens. We'll die for you. We'll be persecuted for you. Later that night, they come and arrest him. And what do the disciples do? They flee. They watched Jesus for three years, but they flee. Later that day, well, he's arrested and then they're all, whew. and then over the next couple days, Jesus now is crucified. The man dies. Their Messiah figure is dead. We have to understand this. And I, again, I want to bring us into this because I want us to relate to the apostles. This would have been the most hopeless they were in their entire life. This was not just, this was not just a friend had died this was not just like, oh, their mentor died. This was their only hope for salvation is now dead. The amount of confusion, hopelessness, and hope deferred making their heart sick would have been incalculable. Can we, can we connect in with that for a second? Like, I know we know the story, but we, we have to get this because something happened to them they would have been absolutely shattered and devastated. But three days later, they they saw the man who they had walked with and talked with and eaten fish with and fished with. They saw the man that they had learned from for three years, who they had seen die and they buried. They saw him alive again. They saw him alive again, and they're now talking with him again. This is what happened to them. That's what happened to them. When you look through Acts, the overarching theme of Acts, and we're going to talk about Acts 2 in a second, the overarching theme of Acts is that they're witnesses. What are they witnesses to? his resurrection. Even in Acts 1, we can read this. This is Acts 1, verse 8. You can turn there. Acts 1, verse 8, Jesus says, actually, we'll start in 7, because why not? Jesus says to them, oh, let's start in 6. Sorry. It's all important. Yeah, let's start in Matthew. In Acts 6, so, They're seeing this man who's now resurrected. So their Messiah figured that they're like, this guy's going to save us. They see him die. All hope is lost. They see him living again. And they're like, okay, now this is for sure our guy. Like, he's for sure the Messiah. So they're like, Lord, is it at this time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Verse 6. That's what they ask him. And he said to them, verse 7, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Witnesses. What does it mean to be a witness? Yeah, you, you saw something, and now you're testifying about it, right? You're an eyewitness. You saw it. What were they witnessing? Well, later, even in the same chapter, in verse 22, they need to find someone to replace Judas, and here's, here's the qualifications. They said, we need someone who's been with us from the beginning, and then it says in verse 22, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. What was wrong with the apostles was that they had their friend had died and then now was living again. And they couldn't stop talking about it. Because they understood that if a man dies and on his own initiative raises himself from the dead, there must be something on that. There there has to be something on this. He really is the Messiah. And this is what, for literally chapters and chapters and chapters and chapters, this is Acts. This is the apostles being witness to what they've seen and handled and touched and heard. And for us, I want us to connect in with that same message. Because because the apostles were not, here's what's interesting. The apostles did not re-preach the sermons that Jesus taught. Show me the show me the sermon on the mount anywhere else in the bible They didn't teach it That's interesting You know what they did? They were witnesses to his resurrection And it put them in jail. It put them before leaders. People hated them for it. And in so many, like, literally in verse 1, we see it right, or sorry, in in Acts chapter 1, right there, it talks about witnesses. In Acts chapter 2, Peter, after Pentecost, in verse 22, he says, This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed with your hands, but God has raised him up. And in verse 32, it says again, this Jesus God has raised up, and to that we are all witnesses. Yeah. And later in the same chapter, it says, and with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them. And in chapter 3, the lame beggar gets healed, and he says, they're like, wow, we, like, these guys are amazing. He's like, what are you talking about? This is Jesus, who you killed, the author of life, who God has raised from the dead. To this, we bear witness. They saw it as their job just to bear witness to who he was. Does that make sense? And this, this today convergence, this is the same power that we have to see the kingdom of God come on the earth. Because we're not the king. We bear witness to the king. And and we we're called to make disciples. And we are called to like, we are called to teach people to obey everything that he's commanded. Right? That's the Sermon on the Mount. There's Matthew five. But this the testimony that we carry is that we've witnessed him. Yes. Yes. Has anybody in this room witnessed him? Yes. Yeah? There's something about meeting the alive Jesus that you can't stop talking about it. And I love Briley was singing earlier, like, you're just saying he's alive, he's alive, and I literally was like, This is this is it. There is no other person who's been alive as long as Jesus. Y'all know that? Y'all know he's a person? <laughs> Guys, can we, like, can we like take off the familiarity of our hearts and let it be real to us again? 483 B.C., Buddha died, still dead. 44 B.C., Julius Caesar died, still dead. 632 A.D., Muhammad died, still dead. 882, Charles Darwin died, still dead. 883, Karl Marx died, still dead. 1844, Joseph Smith died, still dead. 33 AD, Jesus Christ of Nazareth died. He laid his life down. Three days later, he rose to never die again. He's alive. Like, literally, he's alive. He's, that what we testify to is not a theological perspective, what what the apostles were testifying to in the book of Acts, what gave them the, the boldness to walk in it was the Holy Spirit. But it was that they had seen him, they had walked with him, they had touched him. They knew him. They were not preaching theology. Jesus was not a teaching to them, he wasn't a historical figure. <laughs> He was a man who was alive, and so here's what happened. He's alive, so they're asking him. They're like, Lord, so at this time will you restore the kingdom of God to Israel? Man, I just feel bad for the disciples because they're they're now like, this is the moment, and the Lord's like, it's not for you to know, and then when he has said these things, verse 8, this is is chapter 1 of Acts, actually now we're in verse 9, when he had said these things, They were looking on, and he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. Kids, what would you do if you were playing with your friend, and they started just flying into the air? What would you do? You'd what? Take a photo. Yeah, (laughs) you'd take a video? The man who they'd walked with for three years, again, guys, like, we have to get this. To them, Jesus, like, oh, man. Our, our stumbling block is recognizing Jesus as a man. We know him more spiritually than as a man. The disciples' stumbling block was recognizing him as God. They knew him mostly as a man. So they're, they're seeing a man who, yes, he's God. I'm not saying he's not God. They're seeing a man levitated and raised up into the clouds, who was their only, they're like, I was pretty sure this was the guy that he died, he resurrected, and now he's just... (laughs) But he said that power will come to us to give us boldness to be witnesses. So for the next 10 days, they're waiting, as he told them to do. They're waiting in Jerusalem for this power. Like, I don't, I don't think they got it. Like, honestly, at this point, you know, no one preached the gospel when Jesus was raised. No one was like, oh, my gosh, he's the Lamb of God. He died, took away the sins, and now he's raised. Because they didn't get it. They had no clue what was happening. And then he's, he's literally ascending into the sky, and they're not like, oh, he's going to be with the Father. Like, he told them, but they didn't get it. Acts 2 comes which I think Steve's going to talk about next week, so I'm not going to dive into it. But Acts 2 comes in. Here's, here's what I want to hit on. Is that the Jesus that they knew in the flesh was now here. Do you understand that, like, you know, we talk about, we talk about familiar spirits. The Holy Spirit was a familiar spirit to them. They, Jesus ascended to the sky, and then three days later, something fills them, and they're like, oh, this is familiar. This is like talking to my friend. Do you understand that? Like, like, it's, like it's like you don't see someone. It's like whenever Isaac is going to go, where, where, where'd they go? They already party left. When Isaac goes to Israel, and Isaac and Rachel are talking on the phone, it's familiar, When the Holy Spirit came to them, it was not a strange occurrence. It was like, oh, this is familiar. This is Jesus. And something clicked in them. The Holy Spirit gave them boldness to be witnesses to what? His resurrection. Why did he resurrect? He resurrected so he could live eternally and hear. The gospel wasn't preached until Acts 2. It wasn't preached at at Easter. That's not when the gospel was preached. It wasn't preached at the Ascension. It was preached at Pentecost. Because once the Holy Spirit filled their hearts and the resurrected Jesus was here, that's when the witness was unstoppable. And that's when the message started overflowing. And they thought, they thought that the Messiah's goal was to overthrow Rome. And the Lord said, no, 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 no. My goal is to overflow inside of you. The Holy Spirit came inside of them and bore witness to the things that they had already seen. And now they bore witness to it. And I want to tell you today, we have that same spirit. We have that same spirit. And today, that spirit can make Jesus as real to us as skin and bones, more real. Do we believe this? Because as we go through Acts, one of our themes is living on mission. You can't make yourself live on mission. I've tried. (laughs) I've tried a lot, actually. (laughs) I don't know. If y'all have some keys on how to make yourself live on mission, that could be helpful. Uh, Maybe you should be preaching. The only thing, the only thing I know is to bear witness to who He is and to let Him be alive in me and through me. Like, that's it. If we don't have that, I don't know know what, what we're doing. Because, yeah, he's alive. There's an actual man who's also God who is alive currently, like right now, present time. His heart is beating right now. If you listen, maybe he'll let you hear it. His heart is beating right now. There's blood still going through his veins. He has an actual body that still has actual scars. So when we bear witness to him, we're not talking about a story that happened 2,000 years ago. We're letting his life flow through us. So when there's someone who needs healing... We're not, we're not sharing, well, 2,000 years ago, I believe in this person who healed, and I think that might still happen today. It's that guy who was healing 2,000 years ago, he's still alive right now, and actually now he's here, and so I'm going to let him do his thing through me. Does that make sense? He's alive. You don't, you don't have to defend him. He's alive. Like, you don't have to stir up people to believe in him. He's alive. Let him be alive. Like, let let him be alive in you, and then let him be alive through you. He's alive. And this is what, again, this is what was wrong with the apostles, was they couldn't shut up. Even in Acts 4, which I just read this morning, in Acts 4, Peter and John are before the council. And they say, you know, they're basically being told, hey, stop talking about Jesus. And in verse 18, so they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus, But Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. They had seen him and they had heard him. And I feel this morning what I want to do is I want to like, I want to connect us in with that we need to see him and hear him. Because no amount of theology will propel you to be a witness. Like, to be totally honest, if you're sitting in this room, you probably have a better theological background than the disciples did. You've probably spent more, like, yeah. (laughs) You've known Jesus longer than they did, most of us. How many here have known Jesus more than three years? So you've known Jesus longer than the disciples did. (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) Never thought of that before. He's alive. And so, what we're going to do is we're going to receive communion and we're going to remember that he's alive. It's literally that simple. Like, as we go through the book of Acts, as we go through the book of Acts, and as we see these stories of what the apostles were doing. I don't want us to discount that, oh, but they're the apostles, because the same spirit that was in them is in you. And your entire faith hinges upon the resurrection of Jesus. Did y'all know that? Your whole faith hinges upon his resurrection. Like, his death and burial, like, yeah, I mean, y'all know me, I talk about it all the time. But Paul even says in, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17, he says, he says, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, then your faith is futile or worthless, and you are still in your sins. That's what he says. If Christ has not been raised from the dead, your faith is worthless, and you're still in your sins. And those who have fallen asleep have perished. So those who have died have no hope. And if we only have hope in this life because Christ, like, if Christ only, if, if his goal was only for this life and not eternity... And if there's no resurrection, then, if, then he says, of all the men, we are the most to be pitied. That's what Paul said. So if the resurrection didn't happen, then the whole thing's a sham. But because he's alive, everything's changed. And because he's alive, no one can kill you. That's what, the, like, I know I said we're taking communion, but now, whoo, hold on a second. Because he's alive, no one can kill you. And that's what the, That's what they believed. Because you've already died. You've died with Christ when he died. And then you're already alive because he's alive. And like, you know, the apostles, I don't know. I was actually thinking this last night. I was like, the apostles could, like, who knows what they actually thought? Like, they knew Jesus was so much the resurrection. They probably thought if someone kills us, maybe we'll raise from the dead too. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life, and now the spirit that I have, you have. And so they're like, no one can actually kill us. But you know what? That is what happens. Yes. If someone kills you, you just raise to life. Yes. Like this is death is defeated. Yes. Like during worship, as we were singing, as we were singing forever, I had this like, I had this crazy picture. I'm not saying this is like 100%. Like, I, don't, I don't know. I have this picture. It was literally the grave swallowing Jesus. He went inside of it and killed it from the inside and it spit him back out. And now the grave is dead. So it can't swallow anybody. Like it can't swallow us. Does that make sense? Like it literally was like he went inside the thing, killed the thing, and got out of the thing. Death is overcome. And like, as believers, that is, that's what we bear witness to. That's how we live on mission. It's because it's like, what can you do to me? I've died with him, and I'm now alive forever. And if this temporal body, if this heart stops beating, then I'm still going to be alive forever. Like, (laughs) it's unstoppable. That's why, that's why they were such a threat to Rome. Because Rome was, like, just trying to oppress them. And our culture today is trying to oppress you and get you to be completely and totally and utterly obsessed with your own flesh. And if you're not, then you're, like, way outside of it. Like, if you're not totally and utterly obsessed with your flesh, then it's, like, you're a threat to that society. But, like, we begin living this when we stop caring so much about our flesh, and we understand that because he's alive, we're alive. Amen? So let's receive communion. So Jesus, I thank you for this body. (laughs) Lord, this body that you broke for us, that we could join in with your death, and we could join in with your resurrection. And Lord, we remember your sacrifice, but we also remember that this same body is now seated in heaven. (laughs) Lord, that there's a nail-scarred body in the heavenly places who still bears the marks and who still carries the payment for our eternal life. And Jesus, I thank you that you told us to eat this and to remember you. And Lord, we do remember you. And I pray that as we eat this, Lord, that the reality of your aliveness would hit us so deeply. And that your your life would nourish us just as this little wafer, way more than this little wafer nourishes us. (laughs) So Lord, we take and we eat. And Lord, we thank you for your blood. Oh, Lord, the blood that you spilled for the new covenant to bring us into union with you. Lord, the blood that's still coursing through your veins. (laughs) Oh, Lord, that this cup that we drink is not just a cup of remembrance of death, but it's a cup of remembrance of life. Lord, that as we drink this, we're remembering that you are alive forevermore to never die again. And Lord, as we drink this, as we drink this, Lord, I pray that that reality would be so real to us. In Jesus' name, we take and we drink. Yeah. Thank you, Lord, that you're alive. I want to take a say law. I don't know what it looks like for you, but I want us to reflect on this, what I just shared, and to, to recognize that he's alive. Yeah. So whether that's you staying sitting or standing up or reading a scripture, I don't know, we're going to take like three minutes. Let this hit you. Let his aliveness rock you, cause he's alive. So we'll just do it. <laughs> And as it starts to impact your heart, I want to invite you to respond to his aliveness and whatever that looks like for you. Can we like, I don't know, I want to just celebrate that he's alive. (laughs) Thank you, Lord, that you're alive. Thank you, Jesus, you're not dead. Jesus, you're not stuck in a grave. Lord, you're not just a theology. Jesus, you're not a teaching. Thank you. You're alive and moving and active, and you're intricately involved in our lives, Lord, and you care. Jesus, you see and you know you're not a God that's far off, Lord. You're not made of wood or stone. We didn't fashion you in our own image, but Lord, you fashioned us in yours. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord. Jesus, let us live as those who are alive. (laughs) Because you are alive. Jesus, I ask that this week, and as we read through Acts, Lord, that as we see the life of the apostles, we would recognize it as your life through them. And Lord, that we would, that we would let your life flow through us in the same way. Thank you, Jesus, for your word that testifies to the truth. And thank you, Lord, for your spirit that testifies to the truth. We love you and we honor you in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.